probably one of the most frustrating and humbling things about being a preacher. Sorry to start with a little mini rant this morning, but I got to tell you what's on my heart. One of the most frustrating things about a preacher is that when you say you're going to communicate God's word, God actually expects me to practice what I preach. Now, nobody can relate to that. It's just my issue, right? It's just not fair. He, somehow he expects me to say, Rick, live up to what you're going to say. And if he hasn't already worked on me before the Sunday, I can guarantee, I can't tell you how many Mondays I've been challenged to say, oh, Rick, remember what you said yesterday? Me and my big mouth. Well, so be it. It's a professional hazard. This week... We're talking about joy. Yesterday morning was not really a joyful time for me. You know how cold it is. Uh, We had an extra vehicle, which is great, very convenient. Uh, Our daughter's out of town, so uh, she left her vehicle uh, in our care. I call it, that's the safest thing to call it right this morning, in our care. And anyway, we, we had our car in our one car garage safely tucked away against the elements. And my daughter's car was parked directly, directly behind our garage door because it's the only place we can fit it in. And um, some genius left a door open and drained the battery overnight. Now, Luann had to be at a course early on Saturday morning, so I valiantly went out and went, <laughs> And now, I was full of joy at that moment. I just rejoicing. This is the day the Lord has made, and I'm so happy. It's minus 30 or whatever it was. Anyway, to make a long story short, we had to push it out of the way, literally. I said, look, honey, just leave it in the back lane. You've got to get to your course and it kind of went into a snowbank, kind of lodged there, but that didn't help. Eventually, some help came along, and we got it jump-started. And to make a long story short, you were pretty much on time, right? Okay, that's good. And our neighbors were on time, and I was full of joy. And after I got this thing, this machine, um, warming up and, and left on our street... Uh, don't tell my daughter. I was kind of hoping someone just might take it. But anyway, it didn't happen. Anyway, don't say any of this. This will never go online. Anyway, um, I'm shoveling out front, grumbling and mumbling away. And then I'm thinking, oh, great. Tomorrow I've got to talk about joy. Oh, great. I've never felt less joyful in my life, because it wasn't just the circumstances of that frustrating morning. There were other stressors. I had made three trips the night before to get our computer working. Of course, it only works in the shop. It doesn't work. Anyway, it's a long story. All these things building up and other more deeper internals. God's kind of bringing all this stuff up to the surface, and it wasn't pretty, and I'm kind of glad you didn't have to see it. But it's I'm really glad that I'm the only person like this in this room. Anyway, so I'm shoveling and grumbling and uh, not in a good frame of mind. All of a sudden, God says, Rick, yeah, you're shoveling. Yeah, so what? You're moving. You're active. You can move your limbs. You're not horizontal. You're vertical. You have a house. 
with heat. Yeah, I can hardly wait to get inside, Lord. I know it's warm in there. You have a house with heat. You even have a vehicle, even if it doesn't work all the time. You have a vehicle. Think of all these things you have. Okay, I'm sorry. I get it. And now I can talk about joy today. (laughs) My joy is not circumstantial, right? Joy is kind of an intangible thing Whereas there's that sense that things are going to work out somehow, that God is going to bring things together, that confidence that in spite of circumstances, now these were trivial and minor, and I hate to confess, basically they were first world problems. Who else has to worry about, you know, non-functioning automobiles and things like that? Lots of people don't have that problem because they don't have one. So why... Is Rick the ungrateful Canadian grumbling? And his joy is gone. But joy is not circumstantial. It's this deep sense that God is going to bring things together. No matter if things look tenuous or sketchy or things are a little bit dark, you're just not sure how things are going to work out. This morning, we're going to look at a story at Christmas, it happened just a few days after the baby Jesus was born. And it doesn't always get highlighted. But to me, it talks tremendously about joy. Being born into a good Jewish family, Jesus was circumcised eight days after he was born. And then after that, his folks had to go back to the temple again. And this is where we pick up the story. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The the faithful Jewish people had this image, this promise, and and it really came out beautifully in that passage uh, from Isaiah that we read this morning, that, that God was going to show up and turn everything around and things were going to be immensely better because it was going to be his reign on earth. He would set things straight. And that's what it means when he, uh, Simeon was waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now think about that promise. First of all, what's unusual about Simeon is that the Bible says the Holy Spirit was upon him. It's not that common before the day of Pentecost. Now, all of us who follow Jesus have Holy Spirit with us all the time, kind of like a pilot light. Now, we can be as full of Holy Spirit as we want, as we give permission to him to say, I need you, fill me up, keep filling me, I leak, bring it on. But at this time, it was very rare for the Holy Spirit to stay on someone. He might occasionally come on someone for a certain task or a prophecy or whatever. But there was something unusual about the Simeon man that the Holy Spirit was on him and had told him he wouldn't die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. What a promise. There's Simeon going through his regular routine, his regular day, and he knows... He knows that he knows that he knows he's not going to die until he sees God's promise. Wow. 
Think of, I don't know if you have any relatives that has just seemed to hang around until something happened. Maybe a, a grandchild was born or someone got married or, or often sometimes people seem to hang around like just one more Christmas. I, I don't know what it is that something about that will to live. But this is more than that. Simeon had been promised. God says, I'm not going to bring you home until you've seen the Messiah, which is amazing. So that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. There was something that prompted Simeon to go. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, firstborn son, you're, you're supposed to offer him back to the Lord and say, thank you for this baby. Here he is. We dedicate him to you. Just as the law required, Simeon was there. Now, it would be interesting to know if there are any other young couples there with babies, quite likely. But Holy Spirit leads Simeon to Joseph and Mary and little baby Jesus. So he takes the child in his arms and he praises God. And this is what he says. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. Anytime, anytime, Papa, I'm ready to go. I've been hanging around all this time, waiting to see this. All right, life's complete. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Remarkable prophecy. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Imagine you just bring a baby to church and this person goes, Mark and Sienna, you've got little baby Aria here. It's, it's awesome. You guys are an answer to prayer. Now, I don't know if something's going to happen after the service, if someone's going to come up and say, oh, maybe, you know, the Holy Spirit might do that. But you can imagine how you would feel if someone just picked your baby up and said, ah, wow, this amazing prophecy. That's what happened with Joseph and Mary. Then Simeon blessed them. He blessed them in the name of the Father. And, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Wow. When we dedicate babies here, Pastor Justina doesn't often say things like this to new parents. So there's something unusual about this baby, right? But he was blessed. He was promised. And there's something about this prophecy where this... This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. He's going to be a stumbling block to a lot of people. Many of the Jewish people did not believe in Jesus as Messiah, but many others did. Generally, what happened, if you recall the story of Jesus, it would tend to be people in the establishment who had so much to lose, they didn't want to follow Jesus. They didn't want to give up their privileges or their status and eventually they fell as a result. Who are the many others to rise? The poor, the disenfranchised, the people who are not, definitely not the 1%, but God brought those people up. 
So anyway, Simeon says the the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. This little boy will bring great joy to you, but because you are his mom, Mary, things are going to happen that are going to break your heart. And we know that happened because Mary was there present at the crucifixion. And even as he's dying, Jesus says to his best friend, John, take care of my mom. Can you imagine that? But a sword would pierce Mary's soul. This is a remarkable prophecy. Now, Anna, that's not the only person who was in the temple that day. Anna, a prophet, was also there in, a, in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. Now, by the way, this doesn't mean she slept in the temple. Nobody stayed there, but she was there all the time. She was a fixture. Whenever the doors were open, there was Anna, fasting and praying. And God had given her the ability to prophesy, to speak his truth. So Anna came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Just to put the story into context, this happens in Luke 2, just after the birth in Bethlehem. Who are the first people to welcome Jesus and to praise him and to celebrate? The shepherds, right. A motley crew of blue-collar guys work in the graveyard shift. And in fact, in polite Jewish society, shepherds were looked down upon. They weren't even allowed to testify in court. That's how reliable they were as witnesses. Now, why God would choose people like that to announce the birth of the king? Who knows? He has a sense of humor, that's, that's for sure. But then there are a couple of other witnesses that attest to who Jesus is. Simeon and Anna, these well-respected, if I could call them senior citizens, older folks with a little more mileage on them, with a little more life experience, who walk closely with God. And the response was joy. Now let's think a little bit carefully about the circumstances that Simeon and Anna found themselves in. And I wonder why would, what exactly do they have joyful about? Because to be joyful about, both had challenging circumstances. Simeon, living in Jerusalem, the center of power, he would know that Herod was a, a usurper. He basically stole in the throne. He was a puppet king set up by the Romans. And, and the Romans were a very powerful empire, but they were very oppressive. And in fact, Luke 2 starts out with a taxation story. The Roman government wants to count up everybody because they were really good bean counters, the Romans. They were so organized but the reason they wanted to do a census, they wanted to know how much money to squeeze and extract out of the province of Judea. So I think Joseph and Mary were really excited to go back and sign up in the census. I'm sure they were just absolutely thrilled. Oh, I can hardly wait for those child tax benefit checks to start rolling in. 
Nothing like that. This is an impressive government. And people could think of there was no way out. There's no way we'd ever try. Well, they did try to rebel against the Romans in AD 70, and that did not turn out well. You can read about that story. So there was all this political um, turmoil going on, very challenging circumstances, a little bit like we find ourselves in today. We have friends living in the UK, and the whole Brexit vote this summer really upset the apple cart. So all of Europe is in a turmoil. Now, with recent electoral events in a country close to us, the whole world is in turmoil, waiting, "Uh uh-oh, what's going to happen next? And when you, as Pierre Trudeau says, when you sleep next to an elephant, uh, when the elephant rolls over, you know it. So we're not exactly sure what's going to happen as far as a political situation's going to go. I'm not going to say anything more about that or I might get us all depressed. But in the middle of that, in the middle of that turmoil, God provided joy to Simeon. Simeon saw joy just because of a little baby. Because if God was going to intervene in human history and begin to set things right, his kingdom was breaking in on planet Earth. Anna had been a widow for a long time. A long time. It was a lonely life, I'm sure. And when hard things happen to people, it seems some people get bitter and some people get better. I I don't know exactly what the secret to that is. I think a lot of it has to do with your perspective on life and how you lean into God. And that's not to minimize grief or hard times or anything like that. But over a period of time, people can lose hope and get kind of sour. Even when their circumstances appear to be fairly good, just temperament-wise, people just get kind of sour. Other people, for some reason, that may not have the resources of others, there's this inner sense that, do you know what? Yeah, maybe my car didn't start today, or maybe I had to push it out of the back lane, but God's in charge anyway, and it's not so much about circumstances, but what's inside. And that's joy. And that joy is kind of contagious. And you like being around people. We appreciate people like that because they're like little candles in the darkness. They're not cheesy and plastic and false. They're just light. And people are drawn to the light. They're attracted to that. I think Anna was like that. She was one of those people. Now, if anyone in this story would have an excuse to, to be negative, it could be Simeon, it could be Anna, But they did not live bitter, closed-off lives, just putting in time or existing until their time was up. This great joy comes to two humble servants of God. Just like joy came to that motley crew of shepherds out in the graveyard shift in the middle of nowhere. What are some of the lessons from the lives of Simeon and Anna? Both of them would be considered older by today's standards, and yet... Neither one of them thought that being old meant that God was done with them. I love that kind of attitude. I love that kind of attitude. It's like Caleb in the Old Testament. He was 85 and raring to go. He was 85 and and was not ready to retire. As God gave him strength to, to do what he was called to do. Sometimes in our 
culture, those of us who are younger seem to think that those who are older say, well, that we really don't have anything to learn from those folks. But if you're smart, you recognize that everyone has a story. And those of us with a little more mileage on the chassis can teach us a lot about life if we're teachable. And then on the other hand, sometimes those who are older have a lot to teach those who are younger, but they'd rather just be kind of self-absorbed. Or they say, well, no, don't sign me up for that. I've done my time. I've done my time. Let the younger folks do it. And I know that there's, you know, physical energy and mental energy is a, is a factor, but I love seeing older folks connecting with the younger generation. That's why I think Pastor Justina's Christmas party is brilliant because she wants her students to connect with older, more experienced folks and just thrive, thrive with each other. Not coexist, but thrive. It's beautiful. So that's some of the things we can learn from this story about we need more Annas and Simeons in this church. We do. We need folks to lead the way and show us what joy is like in spite of circumstances. That's what God has uh, chosen to show us to show us through this story. Contentment's not a matter of age or energy level, and your joy is not a function of how many possessions you've accumulated. Joy is measured by how open we are to sh- serving God and sharing Him with others. And even though death was pretty close for Simeon and Anna, they had found the meaning of life and what makes life really worth living. They didn't wait around for the next vacation or the next toy or the next adventure. No, they waited for Jesus to show up. And as they waited, they served God in any and every way they could. And they experienced and exuded joy. I don't know where you're at today with the Christmas hustle and bustle. I'm so glad Justina encourages us to breathe twice this morning coming in. Many of us will need to take a few more deep breaths this week. But my prayer for all of us is that we know this joy, that we experience this joy that we're talking about, this settled sense of, yeah, yeah, my circumstances may not be great, but I know that there is a Messiah, there's a personal God who's interested in me and is pursuing me and is on my side and he wants to help me thrive, not just exist in life. Now, you can thrive in the midst of adversity. It doesn't mean you won't have any problems. Sorry, I'd be lying to you if I said the Christian life is problem-free. Don't believe anyone who says that. They are lying. But in midst of trouble and adversity, God wants to give us his joy. A settled sense that everything is going to work out somehow. It's up to him but it's his presence that we celebrate. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for Simeon and Anna and what examples they are to us of joy. It's amazing the endurance and patience they demonstrated. Will you help us to live like that? Lord, will you help us to live like them? 
and live out the, the, the truth of Christmas time. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.